2: The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands.
1: Liverpool went to within two points of Premier League leaders, Arsenal, courtesy of a hard fourth, 2-0 win against Rockbottom Sheffield United here at Bramall Lane this evening. Uh, goals from Virgil van Dijk and Dominic Zabosley were enough for the Reds to uh, eke out, uh, as I say, it was a hard fourth victory, but one that keeps them right on the coattails of the league leaders, Arsenal and one that has moved them further away from Manchester City after their 1-0 defeat to Aston Miller uh, this evening. So it's um, all in all, it's been a really good night for Jürgen Klopp, a clean sheet, um, more goals and uh, more spread across the squad. The manager called for his players to be a bit more unpredictable in his Tuesday press conference, given that um, a large portion of the Reds goals this season have come from the front five departments. But that's um, one that the squad have answered with aplomb in the last uh, well three games uh, in the draw with manchester city the victory against fulham and the victory tonight uh, none of the front five have scored in those games but it's um, seven points from the last nine on offer since the international break and the reds are only gone nicely uh, as we continue through the most uh, critically important period of the season in the end size of course the uh, nine game sequence between December the 3rd and New Year's Day uh, will be so vital towards deciding what Liverpool are able to go for in the new year there's of course a Carabao Cup quarter-final to come and massive games on the horizon against the as we say league leaders Arsenal at um, Anfield and before that Manchester United it could be a she- <coughs> season shaping month but uh, so far it has started in really good fashion uh, It wasn't too much to write home about from this one it was a difficult game Liverpool um, didn't really um defend too well at times other than Virgil van Dijk who was excellent uh, Ibrahima Canarte coming come in for the uh, injured Joel Matip and was a little bit shaky a little bit without rhythm and that's something that uh, he will have to build up in the coming weeks with the sad news that Matip is now sidelined potentially for the rest of the season after suffering an ACL injury Liverpool refusing to put up the timescale on that at the moment they only found out the results of the scan today but uh, it's certainly sad news for a 32 year old who was going to be out of contract in the summer he was having a fine season as well you have to say I'd really put, back, uh, put the troubles of last season behind them and look to be pressing on as Van Dijk's first-choice partner for the, certainly the rest of the season at least. But uh, it looks like Kanate, and Joe Gomez and even Jarrell Kwanza are going to have to step up now in the absence of matter alongside uh, Van Dijk, who uh, volleyed home the opening goal from Trent Alexander-Arnold's corner. And then, as I say, it was Zaboslai who made sure the game was safe uh, late on after great work from Nunes, who uh, won the ball back with a superb tackle and then played in the uh, Hungarian captain to make it 2-0. Uh, all in all, a positive night for the Reds, if maybe not our um, altogether perfect day with the news of um, Matup's injury. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it has finished here at Bramall Lane. At uh, Sheffield United 0-0, Liverpool 2. The
2: post-game podcast
1: on the Blood Red channel. All prepared. Jürgen, what, what
0: did you make of the performance overall, please? It was a hard-fought game, wasn't it? Thank you. Um, let me say it like that. I'm really pleased with the results. Obviously, perfect result. I'm really pleased with a lot of aspects of the game. Um, I would call it kind of a mature performance, besides a few moments when we gave the ball away in areas where Chazal should not do it, and that's where when the crowd got a bit excited. I would say. Besides that, you could. If you didn't see the game, you could have heard it, because we we, we calmed an atmosphere which was probably ready to go um, down, and didn't let it really happen, is super important. Um, and besides that, I don't want to be overly critical, I know we can play better football, but this time of the year you play, hopefully win, recover and play again, that's it. When you talk about mature, is that is that in terms of being in control of the game, yeah, getting yeah. the job done? You, you you know you're back to within two points. Yeah, look, it would be would be extremely cool if he would have could have scored the second goaler. <laughs> it was possible. Um, I think Moore had uh, after a corner. It was an incredible save from the goal, <laughs> have No clue how he picked him um, to kept that out of the goal. Um, and other moments where we could have played better, that would be would have been great. Um, besides that, we just we just tried to create without open up too much. Um, we we had flexible movements. I liked the first half. I liked a lot a lot of things to be honest. But we didn't create the, the clear cut chances. Um, but it's sometimes like that. Then you have to um, use your set pieces. Defend their set pieces well, throw ins are exceptional, wow, um, and really difficult to defend on top. Um, yeah, so we gave the ball away for the counter and the set pieces. These were the, the tricky moments, but there's no game without tricky moments if you don't put it to bed early, and we didn't do that, so that's our, our fault, obviously. But in the end, when you win 2 0, it's all fine.
1: Jürgen, hello. Um, Sheffield United came out of the blocks really quickly, and you've already mentioned the atmosphere and the support they had behind them. How important was getting that first goal?
0: No, super important. I mean, goals goes inside football games and it was today the same the same thing. So, look, if you look at the game, um, in football, a lot of things can happen. But if you really look at it, you only think, who deserves to win that game? is one team, it's us however we, we got there. Uh we these boys play an an, an extreme number of, of football games um during that first part of the of the season already and we will play. We we, we go home and play on Saturday again. So that's all it's all three so I, I can and we have to get through this. So I, I it there and, and, and go into each point and say, hey, you have to do that better, you have to do that better and to do that better. So we have to get through this. We have to fight through this like everybody else. And that's what we will do. And um, when we get kind of a, a good feeling where results really help, then you don't feel the intensity that much. That's how it is and uh, that, that's what's most important about this result tonight. Uh, so we drive home now by bus and then um, wake up, recover, wake up, recover and play again. That's it.
1: You mentioned him already in the chance that you have but Mo Salah has to wait another week for his 150th Premier League goal. Um, once again, the goal is coming from those other than the front three, how much of a strength is that of the squad and how will that serve you for the rest of the season?
0: Uh, all offensive players are invited to score goals, all of them. Birch scored, I heard, his first goal, I was a bit surprised, I thought he scored already, but maybe it was a different competition or last year, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but set pieces always um, give you a, are a massive help in, in tight games, if you do that well, they were really good today. Um, on the other hand side we defended them their set pieces really, really good. Um, and that's the most important thing then. And then you have to, to go for the moments. Games are decided in the moments. It's not about you don't have need to have like eighty percent possession to win a football game. Ten percent are enough sometimes. You just have to do the right stuff with it. Obviously we have much more than ten percent, but that gives you more chance to make mistakes and you could see Ibu played a fantastic game. I don't know how many headers he had to do today. I thought I was close to ask Chris if they could not could shoot the ball for once on the other side that Birch can go in these challenges. Um, and then obviously all of a sudden he was a bit he felt intensity, gave two balls away, um, and then uh, was a bit tricky in these moments. But we have to get through this, and tonight we came through it, um, and we will try to do it again on Saturday.
1: How pleased were you with the fight that the midfield showed? Because you you made a change in there by bringing Wissaro in for his, I think was on his third Premier League start. I thought he played
0: outstanding, to be honest. Um, Dom, much much improved, I would say. Was really there, was really aggressive. Aggressive runs, stuff like that. So and was a little shaming early. He stepped on his knees, a cut. So, and um, as long as... The, is it wound? Or wound? As, as long wound. As the, wound. Wound, yeah. yeah as, as long as the wound was open, just... Uh, strapped it. Obviously, he he well, had it was painful, but he could play. And then we stitched it, and then obviously we got a bit tighter there, and he couldn't. And he couldn't move anymore. Now we have to see how long that will take. I hope not too long. Um, but besides that, I liked it. I liked it, and the boys who came on, and then um, in the end, Dom um, on the left wing. He can play that position as well, so he gives us all <coughs> a few more options. We don't have that many in the moment, but we have a few, and we will try to use them all.
1: Can I just ask about Joel Matip? I know that you, you said yesterday they haven't got the results from the scounds. Has there been any any news on that?
0: Yeah, it's an ACL, okay, ruptured. Oh, that's uh, uh, I said. I, I, that's what I unfortunately expected from the first second. I just it looked like everything looked like that, and um, yeah, very unfortunate. But that's it. one, from Mark Hardy.
2: Uh, Jürgen, as it stands, Aston Villa are beating Manchester City, Arsenal go at the 97th minute to beat Luton. Is this a title that's going to go right to the wire and how <laughs> tough will it be? I
0: have no clue. If we win it, I hope not. So, I have no clue. Um, we will see that. If somebody, if, if they, if, I don't know, if they lose or whatever, if somebody would write City off, that was the, would be the biggest joke in the history of football, that really makes no sense. Um, Arsenal is obviously fighting, had a similar um, um, experience as we had a few days before, feels really good. Anyway, you have to play the next game from the start again, it's 0-0 and not 4-3 already, and you don't score a late goal and can take that into the next game. So, Aston Villa is incredible. Um, United is there, don't play. Yet, maybe executive football, they, 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 whoever wants it, I'm not sure, the media or whatever, some um, um, arguments, but I have points like crazy. So they're around um, Chelsea, I'm not sure if they're coming. So it's all these kind of things. And you have to play them anyway. Who cares where they are? We have to play them. And they are incredibly strong. The league is incredibly strong. You need to, you need to be lucky to get through difficult moments, um, with injuries especially. And um, so pff, I have no clue. Well, as will end up.
2: Sure. Well, is the potential list of winners longer than maybe the last couple of seasons? Sorry again. Is the, is
0: the list of potential winners of the Premier League longer this season than in previous seasons? Well, probably. No, it was in the last few years always two, huh? I know, but uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. I'm really not interested in that. Um, To be honest, Um, so as long as we are around there, um, I'm fine with that. But um, it's all so difficult and so intense, um, and all the games coming up now. So let's get through this and then um, ask me again in April.
2: Thank you, Andrew.
0: Was Chris already
1: here? No, not me. Sorry. Uh, uh, I made a bit of a mess here.
2: The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel Mike Holt from Go on the Match Podcast with my review on Liverpool 2 Sheffield United nil. Sees the Reds keep tracking down this Arsenal team and at time of my recording right now, uh Man City are getting beat one nil by Aston Villa. Long may that continue. Um yeah, just got the job done. It was just one of those away games, wasn't it? Against a promoted team, um a team that's fighting relegation currently, just get the points and get out of there. Like I'm not bothered if that goal would have come off you know, someone's arse in the last minute, or it would have come off someone's head in the first minute. You get the points and you get out of there. Um, That being said, um, we were good in moments, not so great in other moments. I thought, you know, Sheffield United didn't really throw the kitchen sink at it too much. I thought, with Chris Wilder coming in I thought that new manager bounce they'd have had a bit of more of atmosphere in the ground but they didn't really have much to offer did they um, at the back I thought Van Dijk was superb obviously he gets his goal um, but I thought his all-round performance was like a leader he was really really solid um, his centre-back partnership didn't have his best game in Kanata I thought Kanata looked really shaky tonight and whether that's just rustiness potentially but he just didn't look on it tonight Um Trent was, um, he was good, you know, he was busy. I um, thought in the first half, him and Endo sort of got got under each other's feet a little bit in the first half. In the second half, they seemed to sort that out a little bit better. Um, Gomez at left back, tough, really tough for him. You know, he's obviously not left-footed. He just sit, sort of did a job there, didn't he? Um, midfield thought Endo, probably one of Endo's best games, to be fair, that I've seen him in so far. Um, well, I was a bit worried in the second half. He gets sent off after that rash challenge in the first. But I thought he was okay. Uh, so Bosley obviously gets his goal at the end. Um, again, just it's all just energy this season that we didn't have last year. And those sort of players, McAllister. Obviously, you know he he got knocked about a bit, didn't he? Um, I wasn't really worried when he went down with that knee injury, but he got up pretty quickish, so that was a bit of a relief. It was quite interesting that he went with the front three of Gakpo, Diaz and Salah. Um, I think Gakpo's really underrated. I think he's almost in the same vein as what Firmino was in terms of he he always offers something. Um, He's an an outlet. He links the midfield to attack. He can play on the wing. He's very versatile. I I really like a player like that. Diaz, mm, again, he was busy. Did he do too much with the ball? I'm not too sure. He put a great... um, couple of crosses in the first half. Um, but Salah should have really done better. Again, Salah more of a quieter game for him. Um, and then obviously when the subs come on, you know, Nunes comes on. He has that chance, the one-on-one chance. He needs to be making that 2-0. You know, that's where the frustration is going to lie with Nunes, unfortunately. But then you see the better side of him. You know, the goal that he creates. Um, wins the ball back. Great ball through to Spazlai. You know, you see, you see the good and the bad with them, don't you? Uh, I think we're probably going to see that for quite a while. Um, but it's just, a, just a good, a good job done, really, isn't it? You know, you look see other teams dropping points, like your cities here. Um, and and that's massive. It's huge. Um, just take one game at a time and, and keep it ticking. Um, just before I go, I just want to plug my own podcast, which I've done a final episode on. Um, the podcast has been going on for three years. It's called Go in the Match podcast uh you can listen to it on all your you know your usual pl- podcast platforms apple spotify google podcast all that it's the final one it's with um fellow reds keith salmon who's been everywhere and um, we speak about you know he was at paris for the final and the events that occurred there uh hillsbury he was also there we speak about all sorts of things VAR, the super league the Reds now, everything you can think of. Uh, I'd really appreciate it if you could listen to it. Let me know your thoughts. It's called Going The Match podcast. Um, like I say, you can find it on all your podcast platforms. It'd be really appreciated. It's my last ever uh, episode that I'm doing, uh, and its it's got a really strong message at the end of it. So thank you. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
3: Well, not the greatest performance you'll ever remember from Liverpool winning 2-0 at Sheffield United. An important result nonetheless, though, because I really do believe that these next two games of Sheffield United and Crystal Palace away will give us some indication as to potentially how far Liverpool or Liverpool's aspirations for the season, really. I've mentioned before that Liverpool have been nowhere near good enough away from home over a long period of time now. And the home games take care of themselves for Liverpool. Liverpool are so dominant at home. You, you'd imagine they're going to pick up the vast majority of the points as has shown so far this season in the Premier League, which means they need to amass a total which allows them to be in contention at the top end of the table from the away games that they have. And I appreciate that Liverpool have had some difficult away games, most certainly so far this season. But this is a long-standing problem for Liverpool where they can't control away games. They consistently drop points, they allow the opposition back into away games when they look like the the games are going nowhere and it's it's you know playing out into two teams who are not playing very well. Whichever way you wanna call it in the the different games that Liverpool have away from home, you're never quite sure that they're gonna come away with three points. They are not the dominant size within majority of the, the games they play, or if they are, often Self capitulate at key moments in games, which give the opposition a heads up, give them a lead in a game, and Liverpool then struggle to be able to extract maximum points from from the fixture. Really, and I don't think Liverpool played particularly well today. One thing I can say is they limited the opposition to to virtually nothing on goal. I mean, I know there was an opportunity from a terrible Joe Gomez at in the first half, and they're the kinds of self capitulations that I sort of talk about. Luckily enough for Liverpool, the goalkeeper did very well in that situation. But for the rest of the game, Liverpool were comfortable. I must caveat that by saying, I don't think you'll come up against a more limited technical side in the Premier League. Sheffield United are we going to struggle this season in terms of the quality they, can. they have on the field of play. And that was shown in the moments they possessed the ball. They really struggled to be able to retain it or create any meaningful chances. But I suppose on the other hand, you've got to give Liverpool the credit that when the opposition did have the ball, no matter the limitations... They created very little from that side of the game. So against the ball, Liverpool were organised and didn't surrender many opportunities. With the ball again, I think it was more of what I've seen from Liverpool in a lot of these fixtures in terms of at times trying to not quite get the balance right about when to play, when to speed up the game in the build-up and then playing too vertical too early, which which meant that he didn't really have many opportunities at all on goal until Darwin Nunes entered the field to play late on. Now, people may say, well, it's later on in the game. Sheffield United are probably expanding a little bit more. They've exerted more energy, all that kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, that sort of factors in when he comes on the field of play to be able to give him opportunities, space to run into. But it, he has to play Darwin Nunes for me. It, it, it's as simple as that. He's Liverpool's biggest threat on goal, Obviously, we know that Mohamed Salah has been Liverpool's biggest goal scorer, best goal scorer over a number of years now. But the dynamics have slightly changed in the team and that Nunes plays as the highest player in a central area. And as a volume attacker in Europe, there's no one really to match him in the amount of opportunities he can generate in a game. That That's both for himself and also opportunities he actually makes for the side, whether it be his runs or you know, the movements that he he does make, and we've seen that again today. And he simply has to play. And people will say, well, you know, and again today, obviously, when clean through from a Chantal Alexander-Arnold through ball, great pass, Darwin Nunes makes that run and fails to convert, could say, by the goalkeeper, Darwin Nunes just had to lift it, I suppose. But the angle was closing on him. But nonetheless, people will say, well, he's missed another really good opportunity. But that's not the point for me. Darwin Nunes is going to miss opportunities. He has so many opportunities that the law of averages says he's going to miss them. Because, like I say, there's no one probably in Europe who's going to garner more chances when he's on the field to play. But the fact that people miss is, if he's not on the field to play, Liverpool don't create the chances to start with. So a lot of the chances he actually ends up not taking, or has a variable rate of taking, are actually created by himself because of his ability to be able to find good areas, his ability to be able to threaten space and behind, his clever movements, which not a lot of people give him credit for. A player who gets that amount of chances and generates that many chances, it's not by accident. It's because this is a player who's almost a magnet to the ball, who can see the correct runs to make with the man in possession, and is always looking to be as direct as possible and as vertical as possible in trying to threaten the opposition goal. And like I say, without him on the field of play, there's a massive disparity between the amount of chances Liverpool can create compared to when he's on it. I mean, again, the other day, you know, he misses opportunity when he hits the crossbar from Salah putting through. But his sheer running power to be able to make up that ground against Fulham, that the chance wouldn't have come about if anybody else other than he would have been on the, on the field of play. And that's where I'm at with it at this moment in time. And I, I don't think that'll change. I think he's an absolute threat Liverpool are a better team when he's in, sorry, a better side when he's in the team. And with a Sheffield United, it doesn't, and that's another thing I wanted to say. It, you know, with a player like him, when you look at his profile, his physical capacity to be able to be such a strong runner, his acceleration into space, you'd almost think, well, he suits it, suits games in which Liverpool are going to counter attack, have space in behind. But actually, he suits any kind of game because it doesn't matter if, a team are pressing high, he threatens that space in behind. But also, if a team is sitting deep, he still is able to position himself into areas in which he, he gains opportunities on goal. And Liverpool, to me, without him in the side in the times that he doesn't play and today, just seemed like a far more blunt force. Gakpo's a really good footballer. I actually like Cody Gakpo a lot. I think he'd be better suited to playing on that wide left-hand side, which is the, obviously the position where he first sort of made his name at his previous club and I think don't get me wrong you know he's a good combination player connection player as that that central player when he plays in that role but Liverpool in terms of the threat they have in terms of how dangerous they are and in general how good the team they are are much more productive with Nunes as that centre forward there's just no question about that and so I understand there's a management of games I understand Jürgen Klopp's got a change things around, to be able to extract the maximum from the, the back end of the season when Liverpool obviously want to be in peak physical condition. But I do believe, you know, you need to get them on the field as play, field of play as much as you possibly can from a week-to-week basis. Just in terms of some of the other selections, I thought Joe Gomez really struggled at left-back. And I think I can understand the reasoning potentially from, you know, set play-wise why you'd like to put him in that set, put him in the side. Also, I suppose you could say, well, Andy Robertson's going to be out for a period of time, Cost the Simicast possibly can't play every week, of course. And it's an opportunity because of the direct threat on goal that Sheffield United might have rather than being able to build a game, that you'd have Joe Gomez in that position. But for me, it hasn't worked at Luton Town, it hasn't worked today. And that's no slight on Joe Gomez. He's a centre-half who who, you know, is forced into being an auxiliary right-back when Liverpool need a player to play there. But his limitations with the ball... It, it, it just leaves Liverpool... What you want is, as a as a really elite team, you want everyone to have value when they have possession of the ball. And unfortunately for Liverpool, when Gomez is playing in that role, he doesn't have value. He can't add an attack and impetus from that position. And when you think about Sheffield United play with the wing-backs, essentially what's going to happen and the, the biggest threat you're probably likely to achieve is that being able to overload the, the, the wide positions. Obviously with Luis Diaz there... Against the one win back, and then Joe Gomez trying to join in, but he just doesn't have the quality to be able to influence the final third And unfortunately, as well, I think uh, the thing is with Gomez, he either has a really, really steady game, a really impressive performance, or drops a massive level. And I thought today was one of his massive drop-offs in level. And I don't just mean you know I'm not judging him as a forward player there in terms of what he can, what he can offer you in an attacking sense, but I just felt really sloppy in possession. But again, that could potentially be not helping the situation by him finding himself in areas where he's not comfortable. So, I didn't think that worked from an attacking sense for Liverpool, and to be to be perfectly honest, bar from a set play, set play where Alexander-Arnold picks Virgil van Dijk, who again was the best player on the field for Liverpool today, I didn't actually think they, they looked like scoring at any point, really. And it would have been a, a far more difficult day if... Obviously Liverpool's captain hadn't come up and, and scored the goal and then Liverpool are in a state of control because Sheffield United are so limited in terms of what they can offer. So I felt Van Dijk was the best player on the field. I also felt Wataro Enzo played well in the centre of the midfield, just sweeping up his ability to be able to receive the ball on the R 10 and try and play forward as well. I thought he was the, the sort of pick of the bunch from that midfield section along with which Subozlay grew into the game as a, and, the, and the late stages I thought it was impressive. Yeah, but in general, not a great Liverpool performance. The things I take from today's game are I think Darwin Nunes has to start as much as possible. I think it's at that point. And I I don't believe this experiment with Joe Gomez playing at left back is beneficial to Liverpool. And hopefully, it, it ends pretty quickly.
2: You've been listening to the post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.